0: about our part two, our second part in a a series. We're going to start recording now. Um, And here's my question for you today. What does it take for you to quit? What does it take for the person sitting in your seat to quit? What does it take for you to turn on your heels, walk out that door, say no to God, and say, I've had enough, I'm walking away. What does it take for you to quit? What does it take for you to go to God and say, you know what, God? You simply... Do not satisfy. Forgive me while I go and leave and pursue this. What does it take for you, the person wearing your shirt, the person sitting in your seat, what does it take for you to quit on God? What does it take for you to turn around, close the door, Bolt and double bolt the door of your heart to the things of God. What does it take for you to quit? It was not long ago, just a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two, where I was sitting at our very service. And there was a a woman who seemed really distraught. She was very upset. And I went over and I talked to her and she told me her story and if you'd have heard her story you would have been saddened by it she lost her husband and she got into an addictive kind of lifestyle and she lost herself and her any dignity and she said I remember the conversation she said this I can't do anymore this I want no more to do with. And I tried to engage her for the last time because I felt like this would be the very last time that I would see her. And I would say, well, can we talk? Can we walk through this? I understand emotions are great and, 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 and sorrows grow deep. But can we talk? She, when we talked for a little bit, she said, I'm, I'm not coming back again. What does it take for you to quit? Some of you don't have to worry too much about that question. You've answered it before. There was a time in your life where you walked with God in a thorough, enriching, powerful way, and you, this might be your first day back. You had gone off on your own way, done your own thing, invited your own opinions and way of doing life, and you just kind of went on, and you did you, and now you're back after sort of the the dust is somewhat cleared. But really, what does it take for you to quit? Most people never think of a question like that until they actually... Leave the faith. They don't ever say, I'm quitting you, God. They don't ever write a dear John letter. They don't ever say, God, um, I'm breaking up with you. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. They never do that with God. What they do is they simply let it fade to death. They simply stop caring. And they say things like, no, no, you don't understand Um, I don't need to come before a congregation or connect with God in a corporate way. I don't need that. I could do church in my... Anybody know? House. Maybe one of you have said that before. I can do it in my house. And what they really mean is that they can listen to a talk in their house because they think that relationship with God is punching in somewhere, listening to a talk, and then going, God, I'm in. But that works for a little while, and then even that starts to fade. And then months and even years can go by without a serious thought to God. I'm not talking about, whoa God, you know, I'm taking the test again. Don't let the disease, you know, manifest itself in this particular way. But what does it take for you to quit? Your kids die. And they die a horrible death. Quit on God? What about your health? What if God doesn't turn your health around? Quit on God? What if the very thing you've been asking God for, God, I can endure all of this stuff, but this one thing, please God, don't take this... Thing away. And then that very thing goes. We've been in this series for two weeks. Last week we talked about faith. Does everybody remember? We stood in chapter 10, mostly in chapter 11 really is where we stood. And we talked about how we have faith, not in faith, that this is not a congregation categorized by having faith in faith, which is whenever you hear anybody talk and you go, yeah, you know, I got faith it'll go through, or I got faith that the, that the medical condition will clear up, what they're talking about is hope. I sure hope the medical condition clears up. I sure hope that the kid doesn't get any worse. I sure hope that I land the job. I've got faith. But when you go, really, what are you basing your faith on? They go, I don't know. I just feel it. You know what they have? They have faith in faith. And faith in faith is no faith at all. In Christ, you and I do not have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ. And the reason that we have faith in Christ is because your faith is only as good as the object upon which your faith rests. Does that make sense? We illustrated that last week. Does anybody remember the illustration, right? We said that if we were in the car, if we were in the car, and I sat in your car, and you had 1% faith in your uh, seatbelt, and I took, and and you told me, hey, do me a favor, put on your seatbelt. I said, how much faith you got in your seatbelt? You said, I only got about 1% faith in my seatbelt. I said, well, let me show you something. Dug into my pocket and I took out a wet noodle. And I said, I got 100% faith in my wet noodle. And we drove down the highway at around 65 miles an hour and we skid out of control and hit a tree dead on. My 100% faith in my wet noodle would leave me in a different state. And your 1% faith in your very real seatbelt would leave you safe because faith, it doesn't matter how listen, listen, it's not about the faith, it's about the object of your faith. You got a lot of faith, you believe Jesus rose from the no kidding, so does the devils. Oh, you believe in God? No, no way, really? So does Satan. Do you think that, listen, it's not faith in faith but faith in the object of your faith. And our object is the very risen, very powerful, very real Jesus Christ who rose from the grave after dying on the cross, dying for your sins and I, ascending to the Father and saying that you will have resurrection power as you walk here on this earth. We're not talking about faith in faith, we're talking about faith in Christ. And that means when we have the child on the bed laying out, and I got four kids, so I'm not talking about something hypothetical here, but the child is laid out on the bed of affliction and we go, oh God, take me, but leave this kid to be all right. And then the child dies. If our faith was in the child getting better, if our faith was in faith, then where does our faith go when the child dies? Anybody know? Goes with the child, doesn't it? But if our faith is in Christ, we go, God, you can do all things. You are a powerful, awesome, mighty God. You heal this child because of yourself, because of who you are. Heal it. And if you want to know what I think, I think you should heal this child. I have faith to believe that you could heal. I have faith in Christ to believe that you could heal this child. But if you choose not to, I have faith in Christ that you will give me suffering grace to endure the mourning and the tears and the regret and the pain and the suffering because we do not have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ because faith is nothing if the object upon which it rests is not strong. Today we are going to look. Remember, last week we talked about. We talked about it is in all of us. We all have a quit switch when it comes to God. We all have a quit switch when it comes to surrendering our lives to God. We have that Popeye moment where it's a very negative thing. We go, God, I stood all I could stood. I can't stand anymore, and that's as far as I can go with you. Well, God, if you don't accept this, or if you don't allow me to do this, then I'm just out of here. What your problem is, is that you have faith in faith. You don't have faith in God. Listen to me. Listen to me. Every one of us has a propensity to want to give up. You know what it's like. You, you put in a hundred resumes. You wait faithfully. You knock on doors. You, you offer your resume. You go into businesses and corporations. You go on the websites. You pay the fees. You wait for job offers to come in, and nothing comes Nothing comes. Some of you, you come to, to a, a congregation like this, and, and we're just a you know just a fractured group of people who have faith in the most perfectly whole God. And so we go, you know, God can do it, and then you know, you hear on the microphone, man, God, you know, I, was, I had a heroin addiction. My, my marriage was going to fall apart. You know, we have testimonies of God doing great things. You know, we had testimony of a guy being like in over $100,000 of debt and dis- extinguishing that debt in just a few years because God gave him great grace to do that. We have great testimonies. And you come into this place and you go, well, now, God, just do it in my marriage. Just do it in my marriage. And the marriage is not getting better. It's getting worse. The marriage is not getting whole, it's getting hurt. The marriage is not getting put together, it's being fragmented. And, and your quit switch, the light starts to flick on your quit switch. You know, you go to the medical doctor and you, get, and you say, Doctor, I believe that great things you know, have happened, I think that God has healed me. And, and, and the doctor comes back, and he doesn't come back, With better news, he comes back with worse news. And you go, quit switch. Starts to flicker. Listen to me, listen to me. God knows, God knows that each and every one of you have a propensity to want to run out on the only one who could make sense of it all. God knows that there's a propensity in us to seek for pleasure that can only be found in Christ and yet seek for it in other things. God knows that there's only security in Christ and yet there's a propensity in, in all of us to find security in somewhere or someone Else, last week we took not last week. Last week, none of you showed up. I showed up, but you did not show up. All right. Actually, that's not true. About we had a blast last week. About twenty of us uh, showed up, and uh, it was wonderful. We, yeah, it was good. absolutely. We it was like awesome. It was like, uh, 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 keep your applause. Uh. Yes, Jesus, last week, we came together, Jesus was lifted high, we prayed for one another, and God was glorified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, well, you're trying, so I... This week, this week, we're going to give you three exercises to grow your faith. Three exercises to grow your faith. Because if you're going to grow your faith, and God is... Now, let me ask you something. And this is, you know, everybody knows, right? Okay. Who grows your faith? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, okay. The, the right answer to every question I ever ask is Jesus, so you know. Okay? This is the easiest test in the world, all right? Okay. Who grows your faith? Jesus. Who gives you a desire to grow your faith? Jesus. Who gives you the ability to grow your faith? Who gives you the circumstances in which your faith can flourish? Jesus does it, doesn't he? And so we're going to show you some of the ways that Jesus will grow your faith. So this ain't you growing your faith. This is Jesus growing your faith in you. And aren't you glad? Because if it was up to you, and if it was up to me, there would not be much hope, would there? I have enough trouble saying no to dessert, there's no way that I could say no to these other things in life if Jesus didn't come up. Now, also, when I give you these, um, I'm, we're going to give you these, these exercises that you're going to practice. I'm going to read the scripture to you, and then we're going to give you these exercises. I want you to start applying them immediately. Let me tell you a story, a true story. I hardly ever go to the beach, don't like the beach, got a million reasons for not liking the beach, so, and, and then ask me where I live, right? Across the street from the beach, right? Yeah. And so I don't like the beach, and, and so, but that's me. And so I went to the beach with my kids because they really like the beach, and I really like my kids, so I go to the beach for my kids, right? And my wife because she likes it too, so I love her, so I go. So we went to the beach, and I saw, I saw a guy at the beach. Have you ever seen these guys who you knew at one time was skinny? but just, like, you know, had one too many and sold one too many football games and had one too many chicken wings. And so, you know, he was kind of, like, you know, flat like this, and they said, Woo, hello there. And then kind of, like, you know, real skinny legs. Have you ever seen that guy? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and don't look at that If you're sitting next to that dude, don't look at him now, right? And, like... um, and, so, and so what happened was, and so what happened was, this was an extra, you know, an extra strength guy like that, right? He was really big, right? And so he was only a few feet next to me. He sat down. I was, I was laying or sitting on the sand. And, um, and I looked over. And did you know what he was doing? Did you know what he was doing? Sit-ups. Sit-ups. Now, here's the thing. Rule of life, right? By the time you get to the beach, it's too late for sit-ups. Can we just agree on that? Can we agree that the time to do your jumping jacks or like your P90X, alright? Like, you know, guys, right? You go to the bathroom, you do your push-ups, a little late. A little late, right? You know, right? You go to the beach. This is what guys do. Let me tell you the secret. Why does it take so guys so long to just change into shorts? Because they're trying to do push-ups in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm giving away. You guys are not laughing. I wonder why. And so, and so, but that's what the guys do, right? So everybody does, I do it too. It's cool. We gotta look our best, right? But I want you to know. It's too late to do push-ups when you're at the beach if you want to have significant gains, if you want to look your very best, if you want to present your very best. It's just too late. Can we all agree on that? Like, we don't have to discuss that too much. I don't even have to explain that, do I? We just all agree. You know, okay, it's a great start. Work on next year. But this year, don't bother, right? You know, have another Twinkie, relax, enjoy the sun, right? Can I tell you, that's a lot. I I see Christians do that all the time, though. All the time. We go, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Just go ahead and open it. I don't even care at this point. Just like open it and just go like that. Just read your Bible. I don't even care what you do. And you know what happens? You just, a bunch of you just don't take that suggestion. We go, okay, I understand. You just don't know where to start. I got three plans. How many plans do we have? Have we given away? we got a 90-day plan, we got a 100-day plan, we got a 40-day plan, we got a year-long plan, we got a New Testament plan, we got an Old Testament plan, we got a whole Bible plan. Like, if you want to read the Bible, we can help you read the Bible. We put it um, uh, in the new series that starts in January. We're going to go, the entire church is going to go through the Bible in a year. We're going to do it together. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. But then you just... Can't get people to read. And I'm not talking about, you know, it's because some of you have actually started to read your Bible and I'm just so excited about that. But there's a group of you who just won't read your Bible. And you know what happens, right? You go to the beach. (laughs) Tragedy strikes. Difficulty hits. Stress comes in. And now you are all up in your Bible, right? Right? You're like, oh, lamentations. And you're like, you know, and you're like all reading your Bible. And I'm just saying, I'm saying, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Don't hear me say don't read your Bible when you go through tough times. Don't hear me say that. I'm just saying, why don't you just go ahead and start now? Because the beach is coming. So, you know, every one of us, every one of us are going to have to show what we're made of. Every one of us. So want to make sense to prepare yourself? So now, with that in mind, we are going to give you three from this very passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now, I'm going to read it to you, but we're trying an experiment. Everybody say here, experiment. experiment. Now, an experiment is something that you try to see. What we want to do is we want to raise up more preachers. Isn't that a good idea? Right? Wouldn't it be cool, right? If we had just an army of guys who could just preach anywhere in this city, start churches closer to your house, so you could invite your neighbors, they could come closer, and all that. Other stuff. Wouldn't that be a good idea for you, right? Like, wouldn't that work out? Well, we got to raise them up, and we can't raise them up if we don't let them talk, right? So now we're going to have Claudio explain the three points. Aren't you excited about that? Yeah. Very excited about it. Very excited. Now. What you're going to do is you're going to give him his attention then I'm going to come back and I'm going to wrap it up and we're going to have communion together. But I want you to give him attention. Now, with that, I want you to stand with me. We're going to read the Bible together because it's precious, it's holy, and it's God's word. Now, in your bulletin. You didn't bring your Bible. We love you. Open up your bulletin. It's, the scripture is in your bulletin. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. Claudio going to come on up and um, I'm going to read for you. Now, let's read this together. We're reading from the NIV. If you don't have the NIV, just open up your bulletin and go from there. On the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, since if we are surrounded by, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, of witnesses
1: let, let us, us throw, throw off everything, everything that, that hinders
0: us. and the sin, sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. us. Praise God for his word. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen?
1: All the time. All of a sudden, it feels like the air conditioner went out. It's really hot up here. I always wonder what this would feel like. Has it ever come to you when you read God's word and you read a particular passage and it says, oh my goodness, I can't believe God put this there specifically right there for me. It's like... Dear Claudio, love Jesus. Like, he put that right there. As I was preparing for this talk, I I got the same sense. It wasn't the book of Hebrews. It was the book of MBT, right? Now, we're not persecuted like the Hebrews, thanks to guys like this fellow 21 years, who serve our country. We have a certain freedom here that enables us to preach the gospel, right? We're not beheaded. We're not thrown in jail, right? But there is a, a similar, a parallel, if you will, Of a persecution right some of our friends you know don't want to hang out with the holy rollers and the Jesus freaks anymore right and here at MBT we had a specific um, thing or things happen to us that may want us to flick that switch right we had a beautiful uh, mega building burned down right some people ran into the fire some people ran away from the fire right we see ministries flourish and ministries come back down. We see tithing go up, and we see tithing go down. Even at the leadership table, we see leaders rise, and leaders walk away, right? You've been coming to this church for a while, and I'm really happy to say, you know, I was going to use the empty seats, but there's only a few of them, so I, I want to applaud you for showing up today not quitting on, on Jesus today, right? Because Jesus didn't quit on you, right? So I applaud you for showing up here today, and we're going to pray for those empty seats, right? For God to remove whatever obstacles uh, they're in their lives, or if they had a real emergency where they couldn't show up today, right, that we could show up for them, right? So I want to get to the three points real quick. The first thing that the author here tells us, right, is let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, the sin that so easily entangles. I have this house up in Yonkers, right, and every now and again i got to go down to the boiler room, right? And I walk in, and the first thing I do, I walk in, and I get this spiderweb, web all over me. I'm entangled. It's in my eyebrows. It's in my hair. It's in my ear. I'm like, I'm like, ugh, ugh. I'm trying to take it off. By the time I get it all off, I forgot what I walked into the boiler room for. That's what sin does. Sin entangles you. It deflects you. derails you. It takes you away from the purpose and the, and the plan that God has for you. It takes you away from where God wants you to go. Right? You men might identify with some of these sins. And every sin that I give you Trust me, I've been there. I've been taught this a long time ago that you can't preach this if God doesn't teach it to you first. So I'm not a hypocrite standing up here pointing down at you. God did this work in me. I am the chief sinner of all of you here today. Trust me on that, okay? Guys, is television your sin? Is overtime your sin? Is, is, Is vagabonding not working at all your sin? Are you chasing a skirt? Are you not loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Ladies, are you not taking care of your home? Are you not allowing your husbands to lead? Are you looking at a man's muscles instead of his character? Church, are you not praying for one another? Are you not serving one another? On that sermon map that we have, right, I want you to write this. Stop the sin. Stop the sin. Now here's a cool point. How can we stop the sin if we don't identify it, right? So right under it, put one hand covering so nobody sees, but I want you to really take the moment to write your sin. The one that's keeping you and preventing you and and getting you this close, this close to quitting. I know about quitting too. That's not today's sermon. Ask yourselves, is it him is it her? Do you have an unforgiving heart? Is pride a problem? I know a little bit about that. Is pride keeping you from coming back, from serving, from joining a ministry? I want to be the leader. Well, how about if you start serving first and work your way up? You know? I want to preach. And was like, yeah, you'll preach. Ten years later, I'm here. All right? Praise God. There's God. There's a certain thing that God wants for you to remove. The enemy wants to instill it, and God wants to remove it, right? And that is my sin. That is your sin. I can't identify your sin. I don't. I'm, I'm not in you. I I don't indwell in you like the Holy Spirit. But take the time to write it. The second thing the author here says, and I keep saying the author. Anybody know why I keep saying the author? Because we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's real simple. Okay. The second part says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Like I said before, God had to teach me this lesson first. I hang out primarily with three mighty men of God, right? And I think you all would agree, Pastor Gus, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Raymond, right? I've been with them for a long time, over a year, and Edwin and Raymond, 15 years. And every time I had envisioned being up here, I had no idea that this day would, what I would be like, right? But I would be like, oh, I'm going to preach the gospel, I'm going to spit on the front row, ah, oh, yeah, Jesus, you know, who's that? <laughs> Pastor Raymond, right? Right. That's who I envisioned, right? In other scenarios, I'd be like, well, Isaiah says, and makes it, you know, relevant to today, and I have all the the credentials and the the, uh, education behind it, right? I'd be past the guts, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, of course, like my friend, who has the ability to open this book. Go to any particular scripture, give you its author, when it was written, uh, what it said to them, what it says to us, to have that theology, just to flow so easily out of me, that gentle and tenderness, like my friend Edwin. See? So for the last 10 years, I, I tried to be Gus, I tried to be Edwin, I tried to be Raymond, and guess what? Fell short. Why do you think that is? I was running their race. God said to me, what's your name, son? I said, Claudio. I said, what's your name, son? He said, "Ah, Claudio, so why are you running Gus's race? Why are you running Edwin's race? Why do you try to be like... What? It's not what I called you to do. God is the one who gave us life, who breathed the breath of life into our nostrils. We are unique. We are his masterpiece. And like there are no two snowflakes alike, no one in this room is alike. We are all different from one another. Each and every one of you, myself included, have been given a particular gift and talent that God wants to flourish. He plants it into a little seed and it blossoms outwardly. And guess where he wants you to start flourishing? Well, let me give you a hint. NBT. Right? And if you're new to NBT or if you're just coming back, like my friend Lily or my friend Nikki, praise the Lord, welcome back. And you know what? You come at a really good time because next week, we have, a, we have a system here called our Education Ministry. Next week, you could join. We could teach you all about MBT and become a member. And we could teach you about some holy habits that I'm going to talk to you about in the next minute. And this is what we do here we share, we help, we equip you. Not for us, for Him, for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. The ministry of Christ is that no one should be lost, not one. This is why I want you to come to church. This is why I want you to invite a friend. This is why I want you to come alongside someone. Right? Because Jesus saves. Amen? Amen. The third point. So if, you, if you're writing your sermon notes, I want you to stop the sin and write down what your sin is. And the second thing I want you to write is, Run the race that was marked out for you and what's hindering you from running that race. What obstacle is there? How can I help you? What what can we do as a church for you to to help you run that race? The third and final piece is, let us fix our eyes on, what's the correct answer here at MBT? Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 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 If there's ever a question that you don't know the answer to and it's in the Bible, the answer is Jesus. Jesus. Always, it always, everything always points to the cross. It all does. How do we focus our eyes on Jesus? How? Tell me. Okay? Take 201, you get some really good explanations on this. But one would be prayer. Now, let me back that up before I get to prayer. How about this? Read God's holy word. This book is Jesus. You want to know about Jesus? You want to focus on Christ? Right here, read God's word. Pray, prepare yourself, prepare your heart to receive God's word. Just like you, when you come to service, you wanna you wanna come in not listening to uh, hot ninety seven and and, and and you know Metallica. You know, there's a great radio station that just hit the New York airwaves called K Love, ninety six point seven, positive, encouraging, Jesus loving music. Ever since it came out, I've never put another radio station on in my car. Why? Because I want to be surrounded. I want to be filled with God's word and God's spirit and God's music and things that have to do with Christ. When you come here, prepare yourself to receive this word. I tell you what, I worked really hard. This is not as easy as it looks. The way these pastors do it, it it really, it's just just hard to to, to allow God to convey in our hearts to give back to you. I, I preached this four times already. My kids are sick of hearing it, trust me. The mirror, I think, is is preaching it back to me, you know? But seriously, you want to focus on Christ. You, You want him to be the focal point of all things in your life. Read God's word. Pray and open up your heart. Spend quiet time in a position of reverence. What are you trying to say to me? What? You're kidding. I can't. You could. I'll be there with you. I'll empower you. I'll help you. I can't teach the kids. I I, I can't do the finance ministry. I I can't come to church every Sunday. I, I certainly can't give. You know how much I make. You could. If you allow him. You have to ask yourself, what is preventing you to be obedient to that word? What's preventing you? What is keeping you from making this a, a habitual part of your life? A daily process. Every day. Not, just don't read Sunday so you could be in tune with what's going to go on here. No. I want you to read God's word so you're spiritually edified, so you're healthy, so you're ready to take on the guy that cuts you off. The boss who says, oh, i got no work for you today. Um, you know, the, the customers that... I have customers that are vile. I'm in the order wrecking business. They tell me to go blank myself. Thank you, sir, for calling. I appreciate your business. Or, if I'm not, or at times, I am today, but at times when I wasn't, I, I'd fire right back. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be the light. He wants us to lead by example. Right? I want to know how you're spending your time, if you're spending your time with Christ at all, and if you are, how are you spending it? And if not, what's preventing you from spending time with him? This is serious stuff, folks. This is serious stuff. This is as serious as your your medical report from your doctor. This is as serious as your wife telling you Something you don't want to hear. This is serious stuff. This is serious, like when the principal called your parents. This is serious stuff. You know why? Because our eternity depends on it. Your children's lives and eternity depends on it. Your neighbors, the super, the bus drive on the bus that you take, the train. everyones They're more unsafe people than safe people, at least in in, in my little world. I need to be the light to them. I need to extend this truth. I want to see their lives changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why at one time I thought that maybe my love for Gus or uh, Edwin or Raymond was, was something like, uh, I use this when I teach the, the, the men on Thursday, I said, my love before Jesus was Dan Marino. I love Dan Marino. He's the greatest quarterback. I got his shirt, his autograph. I got pictures. I got video. Dan's the man, right? Then I came to Jesus, he didn't seem all that big anymore. I still love him, I I still think he was a great quarterback, but today I want to be like Jesus. Now, in the interim, I had good, godly men that I wanted to be like and emulated and, and imitated because they were the ones I saw Jesus in. But Jesus brought me to a place now of understanding that, okay, they're great guys and they do love me and I want you to continue to submit to their authority and learn from them, but I want you to keep your eyes on me so Edwin's going to come back up he's going to wrap this up I want to thank you Lord thank you Lord for this opportunity
0: and thank you guys for, uh, awesome job awesome job well done well done well done well done stop the sin clarify your call did you get it? Stop the sin. Clarify your call. Focus on Jesus. Those are three exercises that you could do. Anyone here could start today. You could right now stop the sin. Whatever it is, you could do, you could tell on yourself, you could You could and clarify your call. What is it that God wants me to do? The unique contribution that I bring. Oh, but I don't have anything special about me. Stop believing that lie. God wouldn't have made you if you weren't uniquely special to do the work that he wanted you to do. You're unique that way. So clarify your call from Christ. And lastly, what was it? Anybody know what the third one was? Focus on Jesus. Because when my focus is on Jesus, my wife, my relationship with my wife, goes up and down my relationship with my kids go up and down everybody got now watch this what would happen what would happen if you just took one of those suggestions what would happen if you stopped sinning in that area that makes you feel miserable you know what that's like right um, I, I'm, I'm learning about more about myself and, and my weakness for for just Overindulging on on food and sweet, uh, not sweet so much, but uh, uh, you know, food, rice and beans and steak and you know stuff like that, salty stuff. And what would it be like? You, and, and you know what it's like when you go into that and then you feel terrible afterwards. You overdid it and you just, oh gee whiz, and I didn't want to do that and all that other stuff. What it would be like if I could just go, you know what? I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask for help. Jesus, would you? Because my focus is on Jesus, and I'm, I'm looking. I'm going to go, Jesus, would you help me? And he's going to address my sin and I'm going to find somebody else to do it with here in the church. We could talk and share. What would, life, what would life be like? What would it be like? What would it be like if you did not try to find your identity in that thing that you do to try to find, whether it's a click away or a romance away, whether it's a... An, uh, a job uh, uh, improvement or finances, what would it be like? Life would be radically different. So with the time that we have, I want to close. I want you to go to verse 3. I want you to listen to this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you, you will not grow weary and lose heart. That means, you know when you get tired? Anybody here ever been betrayed? Anybody? No, just a few of us, right? Yeah, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. If, if you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever been betrayed by a friend or a lover or a company or a, or an institution or anything like that, if you ever felt betrayed by that and you feel, here's what the, here's what the person who has faith in faith, when they get that, they go, God, Why'd you let that happen to me? Why me? Why, 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 why? You know what, you know what the what the person who's in Christ does? Because remember, they consider him. They go, Jesus, you were betrayed. In fact, the guy that betrayed you, you washed his feet so he could have greater comfort as he walked away to betray you. You you were betrayed. Is this the way you felt when you were betrayed? Is this the way you felt when I betrayed you? Consider him. Consider him. Anybody here ever um, have a broken heart over people that they love? Anybody? Just anybody? Anybody just me alone? Yeah? No, it's a few of us. Okay, great. Now watch this. Watch this. When your heart is broken, when your heart is devastated? You go, Jesus, is this the heart that broke on the cross for the very people that you were trying to save? The very people that you were extending your love to? Is this how you feel? Because we are to what? Consider him. Anybody here? Anybody here ever have, ever tried to bless someone? and they misunderstand you and then hurt you in response. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? Just one or two of us. You got kids, right? You try to bless them and then they break your heart. Jesus, is this what you felt? Trying to bless your disciples and then watching one by one run away? See, when you have... When you, Christ is, and you stop the sin, and you've clarified your call. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is who God made me to be. This is how I will. I am a wife or a mother. Or I'm a, a I'm a husband and a provider. I'm a I'm a pastor and a teacher. I'm a, whatever it is. Whatever God has given me, you know, I have an analytical mind, whatever it is. And when you and when you've clarified that call, and when you focus on Jesus. When you go through the things of life, you consider him and you recognize, oh, wait, there's not a thing that I could go to through that Christ hasn't gone through first. You go through strong temptation. You can't think you could overcome. Jesus, is this how you felt in the desert? You find yourself broke and homeless. You go, Jesus, is this how you felt sleeping on the, in the outdoors in Galilee? You find yourself misunderstood and slandered. Jesus, is this how you... See, we consider him. We don't woe is me. We don't ponder on me. We consider him. Your life, listen to me. Listen to me. When the beach comes on your life, you will go. Fit as a fiddle ready to present yourself in such a way, not that you go through it bulletproof, not that you go through it, not you go through suffering or difficulty, but when the faith storms come, when the difficulties of life coming in, you won't find yourself scrambling for just a little bit of trying to get through. You'll thrive. You'll grow. You'll go through and you go, God, you know what, I don't understand this. I don't even understand what's going on. But I trust you. The reason that we can trust him is because there was once a time where there was one in heaven who saw his children straying and far away, lost in sin, and they had identity issues, and they, had, they were self-centered, and they were broken. And as the musicians come up, they, they were far from God. Listen to me. And that one, that God, saw and said, I'm not just going to give direction. I'm going to come myself. I'm going to, listen to me, I am going to give myself for them. It's a wonderful gift. Because Christ came and gave us faith, died for our sin, buried for three days, rose on the third day, Stood and taught the disciples so that they would have a message, a good news to share, and, or at least to be able to explain, and then ascended to the Father, preparing a place for us. Listen to me. The one who sent the Holy Spirit, the one who empowers us to go through those difficulties in life, those stresses and, and pains. Listen. He said, when you meet together like this, I want you to be remember, reminded that everything that you'll go through, I went through it worse. I went through it for you, and I'll go through it in you. And we'll do it. So, today we're going to take communion. Now, if you've all been given, I suspect you've all.